1: Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Good morning, good morning. Good morning, family. Good morning. Welcome to the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. We are in the house of the Lord. We thank, God, we thank God for the new year. Amazing, prosperous year. We are framing it's going to be a year of intimate work with the Lord. A walk like never before. We can frame it and have it. Hallelujah. We're going to say this psalm, Psalm twenty-nine, a psalm of David. Ascribe to the Lord, all heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of His holiness. That's my uh, my um, my version. Sorry. I, I, I'm used to saying it that way. I'm so sorry. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. <coughs> the God of glory thunders. The Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And in his temple all cry, glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. Hallelujah. He's awesome. The Lord is awesome. And he loves us. And he's here. Hallelujah. We want to just worship him in the beauty of his holiness. Worship him like never before. Because he's already enthroned here. He's already enthroned here. And Father, we thank you for bringing us together as a body. To worship you in the beauty of your holiness. Let your glory fall. Manifest your presence around us like never before. We love on you. We love on you. Hallelujah.
0: Jesus, we love you. We do come with expectancy. Of meeting you, of fellowshipping with you. We'll just open our eyes, open our ears to see and to hear uh, what you're doing. and let our, We want to partner with your heart. So, yes, come fill us, Lord. Come fill us. Holy Spirit, we need you. Jesus, we exalt you. Father, we love you. It's in your name. Amen.
2: So I I sent out a message saying we're going to give a space update. And you guys are here, and that's good. So we're going to give a space update. It's going to be intricate and thorough. So there's a cup near you. If you can get one of the cups near you, and in the cup, grab the large sheet of paper, okay? As you have it, I'm gonna to read to you some things, and then we're gonna to pray together, and then I'm gonna speak. In January, all right, so why are we doing this, first of all? Why are we talking about space location? We were put in a position with our current lease to have to make good decisions going forward. We wanted to make sure if we're gonna re-up here, we had the space we need. We've been searching, scouring, looking, praying to see what's available and what would be the best decision financially, spiritually, and placement, our best position to serve Smyrna. We're not trying to build an empire. We're not trying to have a massive building. We want to be here positioned to serve and love this city. That's why we're here. And so we have by January 31st to tell our current landlord if we will be re-signing and re-upping our lease, which we have a three-year option to. The predicament is that we, in one service, We have a struggle with our kids' ministry being able to be housed in here. You'll notice that by seeing them not housed in here and in the hallways. And so we have to get creative and we've had to look and search. And so the purpose of our January prayer and seeking is to corporately seek and pray together before making our final decisions about the location by Sunday the 28th, okay? So, the passage of scripture that I felt like the Lord was saying, and this is why you have a cup on your seat, and also because we're updating some things and it worked out nicely to give it out. And there's some breath mints in there, and we all know we need those, right? So, Psalm 16, 5 through 9. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel in the night. Also, my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. The Lord is our cup. And also, we just sang a song about being something that is filled by the Lord. That's our desire. So when we started getting into this whole location process, we realized it's not really about location. It's about the heart of what God wants to do. And becoming the body that he's created us to be. And so we've asked a lot of identity questions. Our search has led us into things like, who are we really and what is God trying to do through this body? How do we love people well? How do we steward what we have? Without just jumping to another thing to get into and build something, what has he already done that we need to steward well? It, felt, it really started landing on stewardship with us. And so as we went through this process, we've been able to, and you can pull this up, Lock in a timeline for this month. Um, the timeline for January is this. Today we start prayer seeking together. We're not demanding that you fast. We're encouraging you to do one of these things. It would be really helpful if we corporately did that. So we're starting that today, and it's going to last till the 31st. Our final decision is on the 28th, which we will say on Sunday. And then on the 30th, we have a focus night of prayer and worship at Night of Healing Prayer. I would love to invite you all to be at. That would be awesome. The options we know that we can exclude, not because we tried to exclude them just because they're not possible. That is, we cannot buy something at this time. For us to buy something, we would have to have a 25% down, which means that for something within our size range, which we're looking for 12 to 15,000 square feet, we would have to have around $300,000 down. I don't personally have that on me right now, <laughs> nor have we raised that much money in terms of how much we have in savings. We don't have nearly that in savings. Here's maybe something you should be aware of. If, by this point, all of us were giving, we would probably have that amount. I don't want you to feel bad about that. We have a generous body. But the more people give, the more options we have. So we're, we're unable to go purchase something, and I'm okay with that. Maybe in three or four years we can do that. We don't need to right now. So we can't do that with current giving. Also, there's not an actual viable option to purchase. There's one church we had talks with that we thought would be coming available. It's still probably two to three years away from being available. It would be beautiful, though. But it's not here yet, so there's nothing to actually purchase. Second thing, The third thing, leasing costs in Smyrna are redonkulous right now. Redonkulous, this space is getting close to almost half more than what we started with just because of everybody wanting to move in Smyrna. So for us to get a similar place like this to rent elsewhere outside of this would cost well over $10,000 a month, well over. So that's something we need to be aware of and there are no actual options in that either. Even if there was and we wanted to be like, let's make a stupid decision, and jump into something beautiful, it's not even there. So those are not, here's our actual options, not ones that we scoured our options and were like, here's the best of, these are legitimately our three options that are presented. So God is faithful, but this is it. Ozone Fitness, you're all getting a membership to Ozone Fitness (laughs) because we feel like we should be better looking by the time we get into our, I'm just kidding. Ozone Fitness is right down there and their space is going to be coming available for lease. The price of that space is also redonkulous. It's more expensive than this space. So, just for you to know, to get that whole space would cost us over $10,000 added on to what we have. So, I put it on here because we're talking about it, but we all know we're not about to spend $10,000 on that a month. But maybe God can do something crazy, right? So, we're going to pray into it. Number two, a God gift. What I mean by this is something we don't foresee that he does. Scripturally, he shows up at times and is like, hey, you were praying about a church, here's a church, you can have it. And everybody gets a car, and Oprah's there, and it's great. (laughs) But we're leaving that open because we know that he can do that. We have nothing to point at that he's done. So what that doesn't mean is let's make a dumb decision and just throw it all to the wind and then say, God, you got to do something stupid. When he's provided something already for us, right? If he provides something in that avenue, we'll step into it. He hasn't yet. The third option is two services. Everybody, woohoo! <laughs> no. So this option is something I have legitimately, up until three months ago, decided that I would never do. And because of the options we have on the table and some new ways to look at it, we have brought the option out. There are ways to make it happen. These are the three things to pray into right now, okay? So over the next month, I'm asking you guys to join us and not just let the staff and the Josh and the Sarah pray. We need you guys praying for this. I do 100% believe if we all pray and seek the Lord about this, things will happen that wouldn't have happened if we didn't. Do you understand? I I believe that. Like, it's the same. In the Old Testament, you see God literally changes his mind at at prayer for a whole people group. And so if we can do this together, and there's options on here for how to do that, and, and you can pull that up. The options are pretty simple. It can be as simple as showing up here and walking our space and praying. It can be meeting somebody for coffee and walking in Smyrna and praying. It can be doing a fast for the rest of the month. Not just to be attractive, calm down people, but to seek the Lord for this, okay? I'm asking you to do that with us. And today what we're going to do to kind of kick it off is I'm going to ask the people that are a part of our wise council, if you'll come up here with me. Can I have the microphone too? Is it somewhere? We're just going to pray corporately, so if you guys would stand with us, and as a symbol of solidarity, I'll ask you to hold the hand of the person next to you, unless they act like that is terrible. We're just going to pray over four of the listed prayer points that are on here. Look right here, prayer points. We're going to pray through four of them. I'll start, and then I'll pass the mic, and you guys just pray with us for a moment, okay? Is that all right if we do that? Isn't it so interesting, though, in churches sometimes when you do things like this, how it feels awkward and odd? But this is actually one of the most important things about our walk. I think that is telling, and I want to be somebody who there's a resurgence in that. So this, to me, is much better than watching a beautiful video that has numbers counting down. This is the body of Christ. Amen? All right, so Father, I don't know why I'm speaking into that mic here. You can hold that. All right, so my prayer point that I'm going to pray into today is the ability to discern and wisely steward the resources that God has given. So, Father, we corporately want to say thank you. As a body, you have already provided over and above what we ever thought possible. Every gift from you is a good gift. Even the struggles that River City has gone through, we say thank you and yes and amen because it is forming us into your character. It's not all supposed to be easy. We know that. So we want to say thank you for the resources. And by resources, every money that's ever come in, every space thing we have, everything that's been donated, every person that is in this space right now, every person that is at home right now, we thank you for everything that you've given. It is all a gift. If this is all you ever did, we, would be, we could praise you for the rest of our lives. But we do anticipate that you are doing more. And we step into that with you, God. And we agree that we need your wisdom like you gave to David and Solomon and like you gave to all the prophets to know what your will is for this situation. We are just men and women. We need your voice. We need to lean into you. So we ask you, God, provide what we need. Help us to make the right decisions and steward what we've been given super good. Help us to break tradition about doing faith decisions that are more about just getting something bigger Help us to be a people who do well with what we have. Help it to be a place where people are stewarded well. Money is stewarded well. Space is stewarded well. Time is stewarded well. Where our relationships with each other are stewarded well. We're not a commodity, God. We're not something, these people in this room are not something to be abused and used for an end goal. We are the, this is the vision, this body. This is the vision that we know you and walk with you and are formed into your being and character. Help this Next season, these next three weeks, be a time where we hear clearly from you. Your vision, God. Not man's vision, not church planner book's vision. Your vision for our body in this city. In Jesus' name. I am supposed to be... oh. You're good. We all know that this body is about people. So, Lord, I ask that you would give the staff wisdom. Wisdom beyond
1: man, but only with you, Lord. That the decisions that are being made that these people that our leaders that we submit to will hear your voice,
2: submit to your voice, Lord. Lord, they need strength, and they need wisdom,
1: not smarts, wisdom. Yeah. So we are here to build them up, to hear your Holy Spirit, to act in faith,
2: to step out before it is wise in man's eyes, but it's great in your eyes. So thank you, Jesus, that we are believing in our leaders. We're believing that their heart for the Lord is incredible and that you will hear our prayer by being still and listening.
1: Amen. Amen.
0: And I was asked to pray, pray um, for unity. So, um, Father, we just thank you so much. We thank you for the fact that you go before us. You close the doors we shouldn't walk through. And you open the right ones. Lord, we thank you that we don't have a hundred options. We thank you that you have given us a few. Um, So, Lord, we just ask that you continue to highlight every single step. And, Lord, as we are standing here today together as a body and as a family, we come in agreement and we speak against anything coming against the right decision. And, Lord, we just ask that you give us all peace in one heart and one mind as we pursue what you have for us. Lord, I just ask that you, gosh, you just show us all individually. You soften our hearts for what our part is in this. Lord, show us um, as a family, our individual families, what our part is. As our community families and our small groups, show us what our part is. And as our whole body, Lord, show us what our part is. So, Lord, we just ask... um, that you unite our hearts together um, and direct us towards your decision. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Amen. Thank you, guys. Amen. (laughs) All right. All right, so I'm going to speak to you for just a little bit, and I just want to say thank you to Kara, who is with the middle schools right now. She spoke last week, and she did a really great job. Um, and I wanted to share a thing that she shared with us that it reminded me of, there's a show that, um, we watch sometimes called Parks and Rec, and there's a character in the show, his name is Ron Swanson, and there's a, there's an episode where he's disappointed by a meal he's having at Rob Lowe's character's house, and he goes to, like, what is the same as a Waffle House, and he asks for a steak, and he brings out this meal that's a tiny steak. And Ron Swanson has a, an issue with it. And He looks at him and he's like, you put on your menu that this is a steak? And he goes, I need you to go in the back and bring me all of the eggs and bacon that you have. And the guy turns around and walks. And he says, wait, wait, wait. I'm concerned that you might have heard, bring me a lot of eggs and bacon. What I said was, bring me all of the eggs and bacon that you have. So. Last week, she said one of the most important things that is happening in your world ever, and that is before you do anything, God is pleased with you. I'm afraid you might have heard, God likes us. I'm concerned you might have thought, God thinks we're neat. What she said and what our Bible says is, God is pleased that you are alive and on this planet and he loves you. And if you don't get that before any of this other stuff, it won't matter. So bring me all the eggs and bacon that you have. Amen? Has anybody seen that episode? Yeah. So good. So good. So, we're going to jump back into Mark. And we've been preaching through Mark for about the last 10 months. And I love that we get to do this. It gives us a stable foundation to preach through. I think we all should understand the Gospels. There's four of them. We've talked about that. It's the pictures of Jesus' life through four different individuals. It's very important. If if there's something that you should really absorb deeply, it should be what Jesus did, who he was, and why he was here. Do you you understand that? So preaching through Mark is very important for us. I think you should read it at home. We happen to today be in chapter 11. But a couple of the themes that have come up, since we've been in this book, are Jesus is introducing himself and his ministry to everyone, and everyone really has an issue with it. Not because they dislike him, all of them, but because people just really don't understand him. The closest people don't understand him. His enemies, which he has, don't understand him. The demons don't understand him. Everyone is confused about his identity. He's not confused about his identity, but every person is, and no one will be unconfused until he's he comes back from the cross. He comes back to life. And right now in the story, it's Wednesday. And by the weekend will be when he is offered himself unto death. So this is really close, this timing in this passage, to when he will die. He's actually in the place that he will die. And things are about to rapidly get bad for him. And so a really quick picture for you that I think will be helpful in context is... Um, Herod's Temple, and can I hope, hope you can see that, but down here on the bottom right is kind of an idea of how big this When you think about Jesus being in the temple, and even like flipping over the tables, in my mind I've usually thought of like kind of a small room where dirt, ground, and that's not the case. It's a massive temple. It's a big thing, and it's a very historic place, and it's about this size. So right over here, that little black, uh, what's that called? The, that, that shape size is uh, a, yeah. That's what that is. That's about the size of a football field. To the left of it is the size of the temple. So that's where Jesus is strolling around in this passage. He's walking around. He's not walking around the middle part because he couldn't go in there. Um, Really, not many could go in there ever, Um, or or you would die. So on the outside of that are Solomon's portico and the Gentiles courtyard, and then you have the courtyard for the women, and we think that he is in the Gentiles' courtyard, and he is strolling around, and according to the other Gospels, Luke and Matthew, we know that he is teaching the Gospel, and specifically what the Gospel means for him in this point is repent and turn to me, basically. That's his message is repent, and, and he's walking around, and he's sharing, and he's strolling, and as he's doing that, this conversation happens. Um, the first thing I wanna share with you though is this is really embedded in the idea of authority and this passage talks about authority. And I know for me our understanding of it is maybe skewed. I can't think of having conversations with many people that ever talk about how much they love their boss, except for our staff. That's the only people I've ever heard. <laughs> and I'm certain that they are being real. Like I, I'm sure they've never been frustrated with me, but. We have issues with authority. Um, we typically think of authority in a negative, connotation. And I think we need to understand that as we go in. I know for me, we know authority is good, right? But we know it's awful and it's some of the worst things that can happen when authority is not good, right? When authority does things that they should not do, it creates some of the largest crevices within us and within groups and within nations and cities that can be created because they're abusing a power that the other don't have. So authority, we understand it, To be important, we typically see it and examine it really clearly. We have a lot to say about our leaders, our bosses. I'm sure you've never said anything negative about your boss, correct? No? But we've typically said things that we don't like about our leaders. This past week, just with my family alone, yesterday alone, just yesterday, my son decided to not stop while we were riding a bike and rode into the street, like you do when you want to die. And I said to him, dude, you follow me. You just you ran your bike into the street. A car had to stop because it was coming. I didn't tell you that. That's, that happened yesterday. So. That happened yesterday, right out here. Just last night, Sarah makes homemade soup with bone broth because we are hipster pastors and we need to eat bone broth. Amen, masters? You know what I'm saying. So... I make th- I pour the four bowls of bone broth soup, which I'm still not sure does anything. It tastes really great. Nava, my five-year-old, decides to walk over to the bowls, picks up the bowl steaming hot, and does this all over her face. And she, she knew that she was in trouble, and she was hurt. This is sad, actually. Instead of, like, responding to the burnt feeling she had, she's like, oh, I'm sorry, Daddy. That's a terrible dad, right? <laughs> and I was like, you should be sorry. No, I didn't say that, but she was actually okay, but... I actually said to her, not realizing I was going to preach, this. I was like, Nava, what would you do without parents? You literally, this is why mommy and daddy are in your life, to make sure that you don't spill boiling hot soup on your face. And if you think about it, all of our kids would do dumb stuff like that all the time without authority. So I like talking about authority in that way, and I know that that's important to say to my kids, no, don't go in the street, no, don't pour soup on your face. But that's not the best part about authority. The best and most favorite things about authority is when a parent can sit down with a kid at night when they're going to bed and say to them, I know that you don't understand this, Aletheia, but no matter what you do in school, how you perform in life, I will always love you. And do you know why I love you? Because I'm your dad. And I literally say those things to her. Looking at Noah and saying, I know that you're on an important baseball team and I know that I care too much about that stuff. So you have to forgive me first for the way that I act, and I literally apologize, and you have to know, buddy, that I think you're the funniest kid and the greatest kid, and I love hanging out with you. I lo- See, authority, if it's used in the right way, who wouldn't want that, right? Who doesn't want their parents to say that kind of stuff to them, correct? So at authority, as we look at this, it's not just about here's what you do and don't. Authority has so much more responsibility. Authority speaks such deepness in us. Authority, if done correctly, will die for those that it follows, or those that follow. Authority for Jesus is literally, in four days from this passage, dying for everyone that's trying to kill him. So his authority looks different. And so that's why he has such a massive issue with the authority that represents his father not being that kind of authority. And so this is a passage that's right on the heels of some things happening in the temple. You remember, it's been about a month since we talked about Mark, or two months, but he goes into the temple, the same temple. He flips over a table, and the people are confused. And so, I digress, and I read to you now 1127 through 28. And this is in Mark, so if you want to open your Bibles to 1127, we're going to go all the way to 1212. I'm going to do bit by bit. And they came to again to Jerusalem, and as he was walking in the temple, the chief priest the scribes and the elders came to him. This is everybody that's anybody, all the important guys that make decisions. And they said to Jesus, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you the authority to do them? Similar to this, if somebody walked into here and walked up to one of you and stopped what was happening, or it'd actually be more similar to me stopping one of you from doing what you felt like was right in here. Does that make sense? And so the question they're asking is, how do you have the right to do this? What, you're walking around telling all these people things? How do you have the right to do this in here? All of us are the decision makers. Who told you that you could do these things? Do You understand what I'm saying? They're, They're talking to him, and get a picture not of him sitting at a table, but of all of these people that have been following Jesus. So there's a crowd now a large crowd and all the important people in the temple have now walked over to Jesus and started to have a conversation with him. They confront him because they're irritated with him. They're irritated that he would do what he's doing where he's doing it. Why would you do that? Do you not understand this is not the place for that? I wonder if there's a connection between when we're irritated with Jesus, that that's actually a signpost to him trying to stop us and help us. I can think about the times in my life when I've been irritated with him is always when I'm about to do something dumb that I think is going to be awesome, and that ends up biting me in every which way. I can think about the times that I've been irritated with him. I don't know if maybe you deal with that. I don't typically blame him for stuff. I just know that he always wants what's best for me, and sometimes wanting what's best for me and what I want are two very different things, and the taste and see of the thing now competes with it, and it's irritating. It's irritating when you know that Jesus has spoken something to you that goes against what you want to do. It's irritating when someone through the voice of Jesus challenges you in a loving way about something that's happening that shouldn't be happening. It's irritating. These people are irritated with Jesus, so they show up to talk to Jesus. What authority has been given to you to do this? Well, just real simply, I'm going to read you four scriptures that talk about Jesus' authority because it's mentioned all throughout the Bible. It's mentioned in the Old Testament talking about what authority he will have. It's mentioned in the New Testament talking about the authority people are seeing. So if you can pull up these four next, Bill, and I'll just crank through them. And this is in Mark 1, we preached through this, I remember the day we did. And they were astonished astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority, not as the scribes. Not even meant to put the scribes down, but they're like, those guys have no authority. But this guy, he teaches with authority. Like there's an authority about him. You can go to the next one. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, what is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey. So he has authority over the spiritual world. He has authority to teach and the authority over the spiritual world. You can go to the next one. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He then said to the paralytic, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. So he has authority to heal, and he has authority to tell people everything that you ever did that was wrong is forgiven. He, he's the end point for that to happen, right? So all throughout Scripture, we see that Jesus has authority, and we see that they don't like his authority because his authority in their life walks into their, into their groups and flips tables over. His authority in their life will supersede, and I struggle so deeply with some of the tones of this passage, and I like that I struggle with it. I, and I'll just say this for you. In Scripture, when you have questions about things... If you've heard people say, don't question that, you don't, you don't need to listen to those people. If you have questions about Scripture, you need to interact with them. You need to find out what the Holy Spirit is doing in that, in that question, right? I have serious questions about the tone of what's happening. And the reason I have serious questions is because I've seen the gospel preached to people, the way that Jesus is speaking to leadership that is hurting people. This message is meant not for The Gentiles, it's not meant for the people who will come to know Jesus. It's meant for the leadership that understands the word of God and is abusing it. It's meant in a sharp tone to come against an injustice that is happening with the most sacred of things, his temple, where you experience his presence. So Jesus' voice here is stern. It is straight to the point but this is not the way that he is speaking to the Gentiles and the disciples standing near him. Picture in your mind him speaking to these religious leaders. Dude's just hanging out like, you're about to, we're about to own you, Jesus, and you're going to have to deal with it. And he's like, I'm actually pretty good at chess. I'm about to work you over. I don't think he actually did that, but like the really human version of Jesus would probably think that. He steps back, Gentiles... Disciples in the making, even women possibly near. And he begins to directly talk to the religious portion that would harm those people. And so they're not seeing words like, You, you're going to die if you don't produce. You're going to die and I'm going to wipe you out if you don't produce. They're hearing that spoken to people abusing it. They're watching someone stand for them and say to the thing that's unjust, over them, you have no more room in their life. In fact, I'm bringing something different. And he tells them a story in a minute, but it's not meant for you. And sorry for all of the preachers, I'm sure I've preached this way before, that have preached you in a way that made you into the bad religious leader when you really don't even know the story of Jesus. That's not your seat. Your seat is seeing someone fight for you, fight against the systems of this world that tell you you have to earn that tell you you have to do this to receive Jesus, that tell you if you're not perfect, he will never be for you, that demand spiritual ritual without spiritual relationship. See, he speaks to all that, and he gets your attention, and then you want to follow him, right? Because he's fighting for you, not against you, right? He's fighting for you. So in this, in this story, I, I, I kind of just went all over the place, and that was fun. So, So this is what happens after this. Jesus, in, in common rabbi form, it's not just Jesus, he answers their question with a question, right? That's annoying in now life. Like, So if you do that with me, I'm always, I'm just walking away. You can, you're going to deal with your own question, I'm going to be over here. Not really. So he this is this happens for rabbis, not to be like, and I'm smarter than you, but the way that they would ask questions back would to the person reveal the answer of the question. So it's not even trying to be just a jerk, it's just like, I'm answering your question, but the way I'm doing that is by asking you to state the answer to this question, and then you will have your answer, right? So they asked him, who gives you authority to do this? And he already knows, right? He already knows that they're not asking because they really care, and their hearts are open to this Jesus that's talking. They have no concern for that. They're trying to trap him. They would like him to stop or be killed. So this is what happens. All right. Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question, answer me, and I will tell you by what authority. I do these things. I don't don't know why I put that emphasis there. (laughs) Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Answer me. And they discussed it with one another, saying... So picture. Everybody's watching, like the crowd. They discussed it with one another, saying... I don't know where I'm at now. If we say, from heaven, he will say, why then did you not believe him? But shall we say, from man... They were afraid of the people, for they all held that it was really a prophet. So what's behind this is the reason they initiated this is they're trying to get all the people to agree that Jesus is bad. And so they're trying to do something that the crowd will then turn on Jesus, and he forms a question in such a way that they can't even answer it. It's a chess move, right? Like, it's not going to happen. They can't even answer it. You can go to the next part. So they they answered Jesus. We don't know. And Jesus said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do this. Day. I love it. It's like, get some of that. Homeboys, walk away. Walk away. Go now. You're out of here. Ace Ventura. Nobody? All right. Go on. All right. So, so he's playing chess with them. and And this is also a response to people who believe that in one statement with any one person, you're supposed to say everything that has to be said to defend Jesus. He doesn't do that here. He gives enough to keep the thing going that needs to happen from God. He would have destroyed what was happening if he would have said it all right there. He would have died too early because they would have killed him. But he kept information from them to achieve the ultimate mission, which was that Jesus Christ be realized in people's lives the right way. That should always trump your desire to give, It say it like it is, right? Like We need more Christians that say it like it is, who will, won't hide from the word. It's not about hiding from the word. It's about wisdom. It's about caring for the people you're talking to to know that what you're saying will land, and if you have wisdom, it will land, and Jesus will be realized, and resurrected Jesus will be an actual reality for them. Does that make sense? That's such a big deal in Christianity, right? It takes a relationship to do that. It's not just going to be put on a billboard. It's not just on a track. It's not readable in this. That's why the Bible's this, not this, right? That's why you can't answer a question on CNN and give everything, right? It's a trap. It's a trap. Don't be trapped. I don't know why I said any of that either, so... All right, here we, here we go. So because he knows that they aren't listening, he wants to tell them a story to share how he, what, what it's about. This story is going to help them, and this is what the story is in chapter 12, verses 1 through 12. And he began to speak to them in parables. This is actually one of the only parables that, that's considered an allegory and a parable. Most parables are not. This one is supposedly a lot of the things are specific and real. And he began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard and put a fence around it, and dug a pit for a wine press and built a tower and leased it to tenants and went into another country which is typical especially in this region because of the danger in the area someone would do that and they would understand it and he would move to another place and he would lease it out okay when the season came he would send a servant to the tenants to get from them some of the fruit of the vineyard and they so that's also something that would happen that's actually something that happens now with land P- property share crop sharing you lease out sometimes Two-thirds of what the property brings in, the people who work the land get, and then one-third the owner gets. It's very a thing, right? Like, that's a thing, right? We're not doing that here, but that's a thing. So, and they took the person who came to get it and beat him and sent him away empty-handed. It's very, that's, that's a very sharp turn in the story. Like, what? Just He gave you the land? He gave you the land, and then you sent somebody to get the money. They keep two-thirds, like, and they beat him. Okay? Against, again, he sent to them another servant, and they struck him on the head and treated him shamefully. Also, what? And he sent another, and him they killed. Wow, wow, Okay. And so they sent many others, and some they beat, and some they killed. He had still one other, a beloved son, and any of your spiritual wisdom is putting some of this together at this point. Finally, he sent him to them, saying, they will respect my son. But those tenants said to one another, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and his inheritance will be ours. And they took him and killed him and threw him out of the vineyard. What will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the tenants and give the vineyard to others. Have you not read this scripture? This is also another sharp turn. It goes from talking about wine and vineyards to stones, right? He said, have you not read this scripture? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. And then their response, and they were seeking to arrest him. Literally, the thing that he just said is how they instantly respond. And they were seeking to arrest him, but feared the people, for they perceived that he had told the parable against them. They're finally getting it. So they left him and went away which this passage is important for them because it would remind them of Isaiah 5, 1 through 7, which you can pull up, which they all knew and understood because they would recite it together weekly. And this passage also talked about a wine press. It's also the passage of the seven woes. Like it's it's a hardcore story and it's about the Jewish people. Let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared the stones and he planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and and hewed out a wine vat in it. And he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. In some translations, rotten grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? When I looked for it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? And now I tell you what I will do to my vineyard. It gets crazy up in here. I will remove its hedge, and it shall be devoured. I will break down its wall, and it shall be trampled down. I will make it a waste. It shall not be pruned or hoed. And briars and thorns shall grow up, and it, I will also command the clouds they, that they rain no rain upon it. <laughs> He's going to command the clouds to not rain on it. The Jesus bomb right there. Like, And also on this, I'm, I'm not going to let it rain. So, Awesome. So they would know this because they recited every week, and then they would start to get the picture is he talking about something specific here? What, he was, what was he saying? He was saying to the Jewish people, I have given you everything. I have given you and I have gone away like this absent landlord, and I have trusted you with a beautiful thing, and I have even sent people to come and receive. I have sent prophet after prophet after prophet, and some you have beaten, and some you have hidden the head, and some you have stoned and killed. I have sent many more. I'm actually going to send my son. It is him speaking to them in the place with the bad fruit. The son is there. The son is in person saying to them, I'm coming and this vineyard is not producing fruit. He's in the temple. He turned over the tables. It's not producing fruit. He's literally there. He is literally going to die because they kill the son that is sent. Does that make sense? This is the story of Jesus. So I think a huge pitfall here is for you to sit in the seat that Jesus is angry with. I'm not trying to lessen or to grace the gospel, which I think is an impossibility. I'm not trying to just say, Jesus wants you to have a puppy dog and a lollipop, and he'd love for you to eat popcorn and watch uh, The Notebook for, like, the rest of your life. Because Jesus is a puppy dog, you know? Like, that's not what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say to you that Jesus is... When he speaks to you and for you, he's trying to offer you everything for nothing, right? He's trying to remind you that even with what you have, right? It's not the Jewish people anymore. It's us, right? Each of us has been created in the image of Christ, each of us sons and daughters of our king, whether we know it or not. Whether you know it or not, you are a son and a daughter of the king. You look like your father. You might not know it. You might need to be grafted in. You look like your father. You have been given a gift You have been given so many gifts. You have your life, you have your kids, you have your house, you have your car, you have your money, you have your breath. Even in sickness right now, you're in this room, you have your ears. You have been given an allotment. And he is not desiring that you feel like he is lording over you as someone who comes to kill you. He is sending prophetic messenger after prophetic messenger speaking into what he originally designed for you. And that is for the vineyard to produce fruit. That is for the life that will honor God. That is for the life that will give it all to him where he is the one that is in control of your life. He is resoundingly screaming out into our lives as Americans, what are you doing with what I have given you? And he is not desiring to kill you. He is desiring to show you that there is purpose deeper than you can even understand. There are things that you cannot fathom. Why choose things that directly oppose him? Why choose to do things that you know he would not honor? Why do these things when you know that if you have him as your good father, good shepherd, suffering king, servant king, humble father, as those things that come into your life on a donkey and give you a space and then back off and say, you have freedom, my child. Why not, with the joy of what he's given you, produce the fruit that will come through you because of him? The vine is him. So this message to us as we go into this new year, it's to restructure our goals, like Kara said. Who cares if you have a massive house at the end of this year, right? Who cares if you get that next raise if you have not done with what you've already given you what he wants? And it's not him speaking to the religious leaders. Remember, he's speaking at the religious nonsense on your behalf. Look what I do to the things that would abuse you. Look what I do to the lives of the enemy. Look what I do to slavery. in the, Look what I do to injustice. Watch what I'm doing for you. Watch what I do for you in four days. I'm going to die on a cross street I'm going to come back to life. Nobody's going to understand it till then. It's going to be crazy. You're going to love it. It's going to take you a while to catch up. And then these little communities are going to crop up all over the place that look nothing like Herod's temple, but look a lot like family. And we even see the heart of Jesus. You can pull up this next passage. I hope it's the right one. Father of the fatherless and protector of the widows is God in the holy habitation. God settles the solitary in a home. He leads out the prisoners to prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a parched land. Why would we rebel? I, I understand if you have questions, ask them. That's good. Let's chalk it up. I'm not going to fight you on that. That's good. If you have questions, even huge doubts about Jesus, I applaud that we can discuss that together. But if you know that he is, why, why fight, right? Don't be tricked into the gospel That's not, it's not a promotional thing. I don't receive any type of, like, incentive through our transformation network. We're not taking numbers. But why not choose it if we know that the kind of fruit fruit that will be produced through it will be kind of fruit that will last forever? I know for me, I'm going to die in, like, I don't know when, but it's going to be before, like, 50 years is my guess because I'm 40. I'm a man. Anybody who's athletic knows that comment, and I appreciate you. But maybe 80. And by the time I'm 80, I'm gonna be looking back on today and I'm gonna have angst about stuff. I was talking to some pastors this past week and we sat around and said, All of us are sitting up at night about angst. And in 10 years, all the things we have angst about, none of us will care about. The fights that are happening right now, but the things we will have angst about. Think about what you will have angst about in 20 years. Think about what you're gonna wish you would have done with your time, whether it's your family your relationship with Jesus, the gifts he's placed in you as an offering to the city of Smyrna, your community, your family. Think about what, are you going to wish that you would have spent that little more time in 2018 to make that little more money? Are you going to wish that you would have had that thing that you won't even care about next year? All the gifts you just received for Christmas. Let's be honest, I don't even know what I got last Christmas. But I got a United jersey this Christmas, that was cool. But even next year, I'm not going to care. But I am going to have angst in 10 years if I didn't slow down in this season and listen for the heart of God for our community, if I didn't sit at my kid's bed and pray identity over them every night, if I didn't make every effort to fight for intimacy with my wife, which is not easy for any human, especially when we're both pretty hard-headed. But I'm going to have angst about all those things. I'm going to have angst if I lie to you about things and I try and build a man-made empire like it's so easy to do in the church world. I'm going to have angst if I don't live out of a place of identity and worth, knowing that that's already settled. I'm going to have angst if I spend the next 10 years trying to become something God never asked me to be. What are you doing with what he's already given you? And do you know that if you can say yes to that, he will produce in you better things? What they want to produce in this passage ends up killing everything they ever worked for. Jesus was an irritation to them. If you're irritated with Jesus right now, you're probably not a Pharisee, a scribe, a religious leader, or an elder if you're listening to me. And that's how you know you're not one of those people, because they could care less what he said ever. There's no shot they were ever going to listen to what Jesus had to say. They had one goal, to destroy that voice coming. That's not you, right? So don't carry any more baggage that it's already too late for you, you've already done too much, there's no hope, there's no joy, that's not you. You are the Gentile in this story, all of us are. We are grafted in because of a loving move that he made when he demolished lines of slavery, bigotry, hatred, all of it. Classism, we're grafted in because of that. We're, gra- we're grafted in because he destroyed borders. He didn't build borders and say, aren't you happy? He said, I'm destroying borders, and now you can... Now you can come in, Josh, because you are the the foreigner. That's what he's saying to you. You're the one he's fighting for, for, against the voices that say all the other things. I digress. So my prayer for you as we leave this Sunday is that you you will see God as the good father. Close your eyes with me, please. See him as the fighting, loving father for you. And against you so that you can see what he does to the things that will harm and abuse you. See him looking into the things in your heart. And if he places his finger on something that is not something that is going to produce like this vineyard needs to produce, the only thing to let the gardener do is to come in. See the Father. And this is a huge one for our kids to see it, but for it to be real, not just because we're being seen. Honor your father. You're not just more special than everybody here. You're not just more special than everybody out there. You are uniquely crafted and created, and you are beautiful, but you're not the most beautiful, and everybody else is ugly. And so if there are things about you that you have right now that are not awful, they are gifts, they are good, those came from him. Those are his, your breath, your life, your family, your job, your ability to do your job, your ability to collect wealth, your ability to donate and give to people on the mission field. Those are all things that he steps back into to say, hey, I'm stepping back into this vineyard. I just want to see how it's going. It needs to be fruitful because it's going to reach many. You are the vineyard. Honor your father. Let's not be like the Pharisees and the scribes and say this is ours and exclude the Jesus that created us. We create space for you, Father. So if you'll stand with me at worship, if you guys will go ahead and come up. I do want to share this, which is off the subject. I do believe there is a spot where we become Jesus to our cities, and I just want to say to you, for anybody feeling called to speak into injustices or things that are harming people, I feel like I'm supposed to warn you in a loving way how this is how that type of system treated Jesus. And so if God's put something on your heart to go speak into, I feel like I'm supposed to prepare you by saying, you will be treated the same way, and though your flesh might die, the Jesus within you will rise again, and the message will go. So for those of you who feel a stirring to speak into injustices, racism, bigotry. Uh, just abusive patriarchy, all of these things, understand beforehand, like Jesus did, there's a cost to it. It cost him his human flesh, but also birthed out of it the Spirit of God to touch many people. So that's my prayer for you. That could be for like a lot of you, but we'll see. So Father, we just pray together um, that we would steward well, and it would be silly of me as a pastor to pretend like that's all about money, We have to steward our money. We know that. It has to be all those things are your things. We want to be a giving community. But it's about our time. It's about what we're going to spend our lives on. It's about our conversations. I want to just protect the stewardship of what you've given us. I want to say thank you. So I just want you to picture in your mind as we close. This is some imaginative prayer. That Jesus is standing with you speaking at the things... That would try and destroy you on your behalf to win and show you how much he loves you. I want you to just label within your mind what are the things he's speaking to that he is more powerful than that are intimidating you. Because he's there to liberate you and free you. And it's so close. In this story, he's just four days away from it, just going crazy. Radical things happening people going from dominating people to serving people, just the Spirit of God just broke out. That's that's what's going to happen with you. Let him speak to those things that are destroying you. Let him say to those things, the owner will come and destroy you, whatever those things are in your lives. We thank you, Father. Father, as we go, I pray that you would just bless and overwhelm us with your goodness as the Good Shepherd. Lead us. As the humble King, and teach us how to be your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you guys.
0: Thank you again for joining us today, and please visit our website at rivercitiesmyrna.com.